So this is now the seventh, I believe, and final part of our discussion of Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment, uh, where we're going to discuss the epilogue and, I guess, by doing so, the entire book and kind of what we made of it. Yeah, so usually I summarize more or less briefly the each chapter at the beginning, but I'm not going to do that now because in terms of plot, there's really not that much that happened. Basically, Raskolnikov is in prison in Siberia. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much all that happens. You know, there's a bit more obviously on the family and the people who know him and that kind of stuff. But I think people who've just read the epilogue will remember roughly what happens. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have any initial major point you want to talk about? Or should we just, I don't know. I have like lots um, of smallish points almost in a way. I'm wondering, I'm almost disagreeing with you that nothing is, is happening in <gasps> the epilogue. You can't disagree with me. That's not what this is for. <laughs> um, because it's on some level nothing happens, but there's not a lot of action. But I do still... I think there's a bit of a twist in a sense that for the first part of the epilogue he's still not no guilt, not nothing, like no sign of bad conscience and etc. And then all of a sudden he realizes that he's in love with Sonia and that she's in love with him and that changes everything. Does so it? I think Pardon? Does it change everything? Well, I think for, that is to, for me the first time that he has any sort of intense emotion. Positive intense emotion. Yeah. He's had lots like, of negative intense hmm. emotions so far. Um, but, I mean, it, it seemed to me that it ended like almost almost in a happy ending. But the happy ending was just, well, just a few years, then I'll get out of here. No, but he is kind of like turning. He's got the Gospels. Yeah, well, to so for me, the way I understood it is by through loving her, he um, starts to, in some way, to, to be a human being and has a, a bad conscience and, and wants to kind of like, you know, follow religion and deal with, with what he's done. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, no. I get, I, I get like the 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 change in him, that you know this this woman he wants to spend time with, that he thinks he actually loves her, which is you know that's nice. Um, if you want to spend your life with someone, if she's moved to Siberia for you, it's good that you finally realized that. So I got that, but the yeah, I mean, like the you know the last paragraph is, but here a new story begins: the story of a man's gradual renewal and gradual rebirth his gradual crossing from one world to another of his acquaintance with a new as yet unknown reality that could be a subject for another tale our present one has ended so i mean he's hinting at it but i mean part part of the question is like how long is this going to last yeah I, I mean i don't know but i think that the way it's ending it seems like he's definitely changed because this is the last paragraph this is Story of a man's gradual renewal and gradual rebirth of his gradual crossing from one world to another. So, and I think so for me, this is pretty much like in the last two pages, like all, everything that's building up, like first him committing the crime and then not. In a way, yes, right. But like, so one thing that slightly makes me question this it's almost i mean in a way i think it's almost too positive the ending given the entire book but so that makes me maybe slightly question exactly what's going on here but one thing is here that so uh so we're talking about the last page again you know he's he's got the gospels and underneath his pillow and that it says like he asked her for the gospels before he fell ill and then also says he has actually looked at the book <laughs> like if he asked for the book he like it's underneath his pillow which probably just means it's with him right you probably don't have a large storage area in prison but my point is just that he he's basically just lying in bed and having like maybe a small epiphany but it doesn't seem like there's much behind it to me don't you think that sometimes 
things change on an implicit level or something we don't consciously think about um the way sure. so this is how i perceived him asking for the book and then not looking at it because he hasn't made a conscious decision oh i'm now gonna believe in god i see but he had some sort of like uh just something within him made him ask for the book and now he has a realization that this is the path he wants to go maybe i guess my point is i guess the the why I'm slightly questioning exactly how strong this is supposed to be is that, you know, when you're lying about a lot of things can seem very important to you. And then the next morning you've forgotten all about it. So of course he did ask her for the book. So that, you know, suggests that it's a bit more than just, you know, that flash of inspiration, you know, on Sunday evening when you think like I'm going to be productive next week. I wonder whether it's more, well, that kind of thing, I guess it's for him. It's almost, that's a, that's a major step, but. And I think, um, kind of see it differently to the way you're using it because I agree, yes, in reality and in our day-to-day life, it rarely ever happens that all of a sudden you have this epiphany and then life changes and, you know, for the rest of your life, like exactly what you want to do, etc. Um, but indeed, sometimes, sometimes some things appear very important and a situation and the next situation they've lost their importance and things change constantly and we might mean something on one day and then not mean it anymore on the other day however in the context of a book it's it's fiction and i think he dostoevsky i assume very much wanted to end this book showing a character that has completely changed and it's almost a bit like the way I see a bit of um, a lesson to be taught that only through true love or through loving somebody you can really feel guilt. And as soon as you, as long as you don't love, then you don't feel guilty or don't confront yourself with um, your... Yeah, but don't you think it's too strong after the entire work? I mean, I guess he has been like in, in Siberia for half a year or a year or something. I, it just seems a bit cheesy to me. I don't know, maybe I'm I'm too cynical <laughs> or something, but it it seems a bit over the top. Then again, I guess everything is a bit over the top in a lot of Russian literature I've read, but um, I don't know, it's just but, too much of a reversal within yeah. like five pages. But then, I don't know, what does it do to somebody who's in, in prison camp in Siberia? <laughs> maybe it really truly changes you as a person and the way you think about your actions i guess i don't know i mean here would be interesting to know what exactly was the case with dostoevsky himself i mean i don't you know as as i think i said before like i don't really like taking an author's biography into a book i think it's Mm -hmm. um if the book can't stand by itself then it's not really good book but in this case where we maybe have differences of interpretation and we don't it's not that we obviously need to find common answer here but I mean, it says, I mean, I think Dostoevsky was in a working prison camp in Siberia. I think in the notes it says that he was the same class, actually, as Oskonikov. Mm-hmm. I think it says in the notes, I can't remember. So I wonder whether maybe he did himself go through that process while there. But I don't know why he was in prison, whether it was, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure he didn't murder anyone. But uh, yeah, that maybe, maybe if we are to look up what, what he did in prison then maybe that would answer it a bit but yeah but what would it, would it because i do understand it's not like it doesn't appear to me like it's necessarily taken out of real life and it is a bit exaggerated and maybe a bit cheesy but i'm wondering because he did want to have some sort of conclusion i assume and show some like lesson or learning of some kind so i wonder how else he he could have approached it. I mean, I guess he could have like he could have started the whole epilogue with because at some point there needs to be the turning point. Um, but he could have added another another chapter. <laughs> I mean, so bringing in more detail. What I find tricky about the epilogue is that it seems to me like you have this guy who's just a complete mess for six hundred pages. And then this epilogue, so this is one thing that I wrote down that really annoyed me, is that 
you know, they talk about his trial and why he was given a fairly lenient trial for double homicide of only eight years in working camp. And one of the some of the mitigating factors were that apparently it turns out he was actually a saint before uh, all this stuff went down. Um, wait, if you give me a second, I'll find the page. So this is page 641 and following. Quite unexpectedly, other circumstances also emerged that greatly favored the defendant. The former student, Razumikin, managed to exhume some information, enabling him to prove that the criminal Raskolnikov, or the criminal Raskolnikov, during his time at university spent all he had on helping a poor consumptive fellow student and supported him almost single-handedly for half a year. When his friend died, Raskolnikov took care of his old invalid father, whom his friend had supported and fed by his own labor ever since early teens. Eventually placed the old man in the hospital, and when he died, too, arranged his burial. Meanwhile, the widow Tsanitsina Raskolnikov's former landlady and the mother of his dead fiancé testified that when they were still living at the previous address at the Five Corners, Raskolnikov had pulled two small children out of a burning apartment at night and was himself burnt in the process. The fact was thoroughly investigated and... Yeah, blah, blah, blah. So what I find... By the way, first, can we just highlight the fact that it's important that he pulled two burning children out of a building at night. Can we just highlight the fact that the at night is added there? Like, if it was during the daytime, no one would care. It's just, yeah, <laughs> like it was dark. That That's how, how you know how good this guy is. <laughs> anyway, um, but it, what I don't like is that you have this guy who basically behaves terribly, let's just say, with seemingly no moral conscience or moral compass, for pretty much all of the book, apart from maybe his, I guess it's a fairly major subplot, the whole idea with Mamladov and then with Zonya and giving her the money and that kind of stuff. But apart from that, he's just a horrible person throughout the entire book. It says even, I mean, even in the epilogue, it says that even the prison inmates hate him. Just no one likes him. He just seems to be a terrible person. And then suddenly in the epilogue, it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, he's the saintly figure, though, who does all this helping for other people. And then suddenly he has this transformation. I just, I just don't buy it. I don't know. Maybe I just don't like the way it's written rather than... Maybe you're right that that's what Dostoevsky tried to do, and I just don't like the way Dostoevsky's doing it. But it just seems a bit fake to me. Yeah, fake. Or maybe he truly is almost... It was like the whole book is an episode of some split personality manic phase that's kind of what the epilogue is saying right yeah there's this whole discussion about his temp wait, temporary insanity um and that maybe that's what was going on and maybe this whole book is kind of to show that you know everyone has bad episodes murders two women and then goes back to being a saint again but uh, I don't know, like, you, if you want to show someone... I mean, I guess what does it says, like, he doesn't want to show the transformation, right? It's just hinting at it, basically. That's what he's trying to do. He says this whole changing of someone is a different book. I'm not going to do that here. That's the last paragraph, right? Mm. But uh, it seems a bit over the top. I don't know. <laughs> well, like, show him be like, like, just show him seeing, like, being an average person at first. Like, you don't have to go from, like... Double homicide, well, being horrible maybe, to everyone, to saint. Just throw him like being. But normal. he's not a saint. He just he. he okay, maybe not a saint, but he, you know what I mean. He feels guilty, and that makes him an average person. Or he confesses, and he. He was bullied by his girlfriend to confess. <laughs> Pretty mad. She was but just I harassing think, him. <laughs> yeah, but I think he is an uh, a normal person, and obviously, you know, sometimes when we do something, we regret. We want to be good for the rest of the, our lives. And it is like a split moment after regretting something. When you regret something, that you maybe are on take some sort of extreme stance towards ethics or morality, and you really truly believe that never ever anything like this is gonna happen to you again. So maybe there is a bit of this bit of like a, a super ethical and highly moral approach he wants to take but but I think it is normal to feel like this it is normal after having done something so horrible that you would regret it and would want 
to change your life for the better and never do anything like this again. Yeah, the problem I have is that even in the epilogue, there's still this discussion that he feels no guilt about the entire thing. That is only shame. Wait, I wrote this down. The one quote is on 651. That was the only crime he acknowledged that he hadn't coped and had turned himself in. That's that's literally... Yeah, but then, then it changes, no? I completely agree yeah, with yeah. you. For the beginning of the epilogue, he doesn't doesn't feel guilty at all, but then it really changes in the last two pages or so. Yeah, yeah but that, I guess my point is just that that's too rapid of a change. Or let's put it this way, it's too, for it to be a lasting change. I mean, yeah, I, I get that maybe you don't want to end the book as bleakly as everything else has been in this book. But I think like if you, most, I think at least in my experience, epiphanies rarely actually lead to anything. It's it's a long, gradual, slow process. Maybe this is just the first one. Sure. But, but, but then we, we, I think this is pretty much the, the argument you made at the beginning and I, do agree with you this is not a, a real life example it's ra- rarely ever happens like this that you have an epiphany and then it's like life changed forever but i still also don't think that dostoevsky's aim was to tell a story taken up from life as in like i don't think that this was his main point here no, of course, to... i mean of course the, the point is not to just you know replicate reality but it's supposed to have some sort of reasonable relationship to it. Though. And I feel like that is the aim, right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, maybe this is just the, the first the first realization that maybe he did something wrong, which so far he hadn't really had. You know, even when he handed himself in, it was more just because he left. And then Sonia was standing there and he went, ah, shit. You know, but it seemed to me mm-hmm. more like almost not not being forced towards it, but. Uh, how should I say, strongly encouraged. And this is maybe just the first step in his evolution to being not a terrible person. It just felt yeah. like, it just felt a bit strong to me. Maybe that's just all the, what I'm saying. But there is a lo- long way ahead of him, right? And I think this is like this whole... <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the, 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 the seven years, the seven remaining years are a bit symbolic in that sense that it's not only about him having to be in prison and then only after seven years he can get married, but it's more like he has seven years now to process everything he's done and work through everything, work on him, himself and and pay the price in some way. So I feel like this is just not part of the book. I guess I was just arguing against the idea, whether you said it or not, that suddenly everything's good again now and well i guess maybe all you said was that like a lot of a lot happened and that he had this epiphany i guess that's what you said and he did have that maybe i just i don't know it's a first step for him um (laughs) i don't know i don't know whether anyone i'm sure someone must have written a sequel to this crime and punishment to uh what would the subtitle be uh, well, it's more punishment, and it is hopefully not another crime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crime. <laughs> crime and punishment, too. This time, there's no crime. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether Dostoevsky actually wrote, you know, not literally the second part of this book, a continuation. I don't know whether he literally, but like figuratively wrote a kind of redemptive story after that. I don't know. Anyway, I mean, it, it is nice to see that he's had some sort of positive thought about someone that's good Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah is that going to carry you through seven years of being in prison everyone hates you we'll see i don't know even sonia i mean she i feel like even her supposed love for him seems a bit weird number one they don't know each other number two she only she's just following him around (laughs) but but do you remember like one point you raised i think in our last discussion was that she could be symbolize his moral compass and if you think about her more as an abstract thing rather than a his More lover or a person or... yeah rather than like a, a person with the but maybe obviously the, the moral compass you in whenever wherever you go it kind of like follows you is, is your um 
um, conscious. It's like you can't really es escape it. And if you decide to work with it, you're actually far better off. And if you realize how important it is for you, or it is part of you, really. Yeah, I'm just sorry, I'm just trying to figure out then if if that is if if she is to be understood more metaphorically than literally. Why do all the other prisoners love her? Is that just a, you know? There's this like passage where all the other prisoners just think she's awesome. Is that because it, it, I mean this really sounds like a, a a book in favor of prison reform? It almost <laughs> sounds like an advertisement for prisons. Then that you know, as soon as you go into prison, people start loving the inner moral compass. Um, even if it's someone else's, I don't know. This doesn't make sense, but um, yeah, I mean, she's she's she has something godly, you know. So she's maybe she can also be seen in like um, more of a religious, con or not a religious context, but she has something about about her which is godly. She's like the, such a pure soul that doesn't really exist in real life. She is only good and selfless and yeah and un understanding and only wants wants the best for every everybody and which is makes makes her almost like just like mother teresa kind of figure in a way yes but like the one problem i have with describing her in this way is that she's also just like she has no skill or anything like if you're this kind of saintly person it seems like you should have some sort of like she's just there right? like but why but isn't this like isn't there like a a part in the bible where there's a prostitute and then and they're kind of like the outcast and then jesus eats with her isn't it maria magdalena I, I might be completely wrong here. I don't know. I haven't. So if, if I'm wrong, we have to look it up. And if so, you have to take it out. I don't, but I, I, don't think... I don't know. I only went to Catholic school for nine years. I don't know what happens <laughs> in the Bible. Um, okay, so if I'm not wrong, there's this part in the Bible where Jesus kind of like shows that only because you are, you know, the lowest of the lowest in terms of our society, you can still be a pure soul. And he decides not to eat with the riches but yeah i mean isn't your inner courage or whatever supposed to be something more than or your inner moral compass or whatever she's supposed to signify isn't it supposed to be something a bit more than just simply being there after you kill people i don't know to me she's just like she's just a complete victim and to me even her following him around doesn't seem like a choice or anything she's just He basically says, I want to spend my life with you after he's just in that chapter way. He's just really rude to her the entire time. I mean, she she almost has like a minor case of Stockholm syndrome where someone just is really abusive to her. And so she just follows him around. You know, it's like to me, that's not exactly a. Yeah. But again, I think like um, the way we're reading this is so different because I completely agree on like if you just look at the facts and like this is like the worst depiction of like <laughs> a female character you know she's like obviously very has, has no power is the only value has... she has is through her sex pardon the only value she has is through her sex either by yeah. giving money to And... her siblings or by being with Raskolnikov yeah pretty much but is it from that perspective obviously like this is not she's um, a weak character and and not yeah pretty much everything you don't want <laughs> the, the, the female gender to be associated to but again i don't really take her literally i see it more as a metaphor at least since you mentioned it <laughs> i see it here like this damn it i built um, up my own yeah. argument here but I, i know what you mean it's just somehow i feel like if i'd been if i'd been A Russian novelist in the 19th century with the hindsight of not being a novelist in the 19th century, but living in the 21st century. I feel like I would have written her some sort of stronger qualities, like something that doesn't just seem like she's following. I don't know. Maybe the, the following him is that's the whole point. If she's, you know, but I think that's sense, the whole but, point because the, yeah. she's always there. This is, this is a, a skill, right? No matter what happens, he even confesses to having killed her 
good friend and she's always said she is not leaving him where other people would have left him um yeah other people would have left him way earlier so she's her strong quality is is being there and sticking i don't know maybe that's enough with a moral compass you just have to have one if it's always there you pay attention to it then Yeah, I mean, I think one problem I also have is that I don't really like talking about books and pe when people are metaphors for stuff. I like like having books that are where people do stuff that seems... I mean, everything that the people do in this book seems reasonable, right? It's not necessarily particularly likely in some cases, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm, I think in general, I'm, not, I'm just not a fan of people standing for concepts or something like let people make interesting choices that reveal who they are and that kind of stuff rather than we have to figure out now whether Zonya <laughs> I don't know yeah, what she is you know um, but yeah I don't know I don't really have anything to add to that anymore I don't know yeah you okay no, that's, that's it. shall we move on to discussing the book in general Yeah, so I think one thing that we predicted correctly is that Razumikin and Dunya, Skolnikov's yeah. sister, ended up together. Yeah. So well done us for predicting that, which was totally not obvious. Um, the mother died, which I didn't predict. Yeah, and I didn't also didn't expect that she was going to be quite as much in kind of semi-denial. I don't know exactly what was, how to call it, but... I, I think denial... <laughs> Describes you quite accurately. I guess with Janelle, you know it, but pretend you don't. But, but no, but you know. she, yeah, but I think self, like, she denied self denial. Because it was, it became apparent before she died, and she was kind of like half hallucinating and, and talking, it became apparent how much she actually had um, guessed or unknown. Or maybe someone had told her or something, yeah. Hmm. Um, To be fair, I didn't find that part too interesting. Yeah. I don't know whether you have anything to add there, but to me, yeah, I, think, mm. I feel like we should maybe mention it for a second, but I don't really have anything to no. add there. Okay. Um, shall we? I have a few things, but is there anything that you want to talk about in particular and about the no. big topics about the book? Or No, you fire ahead. Okay, here we go. <laughs> um... Maybe as a kind of random, slightly random starting point, shall we talk about Raskolnikov's dream before he had the epiphany? Because at first it sounded like he was describing COVID pandemic. Um, yeah. He said, In a sickness he'd imagined the entire world condemned to some terrible, unheard of pestilence advancing on Europe from deepest Asia. Pretty good there. Everyone was to die apart from the very few who'd been chosen. A new trichnia had appeared, microscopic beings that were entering human bodies. The reason I'm mentioning this is because then that leads to basically a kind of form of what Oskarnikov has been thinking of the entire time, namely some people being superior to others inherently, some chosen people, which I think if you've ever, you know, opened a history book, you can see where that leads to in the extreme. Mm -hmm. And Raskolnikov definitely has quite a lot of beliefs, at least until the last few pages. Maybe they changed then, but until then he has like a lot of beliefs around that there are some people who are superior than others and that he's one of them. So yeah, it's kind of interesting like hearing about these things like when it's written like in the middle of the 19th century and then you see kind of what happens afterwards when people just really yeah. embrace that kind of thing. I mean, I guess it's not really new, right? Like it's just a form of racism. It just reappears throughout history, right? And I think also yeah. the current, it's at the moment is very, um, yeah, current topic with... Black Lives Matter, etc. So it takes different shapes and form, but it's, it's more explicit a... here and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's true. Like very, like you have to be very racist now to say that there are some people who are just in general superior to others and that kind of thing. Like that's a pretty strong stance now. It seemed to me like yeah. then it wasn't necessarily as much of a statement. Yeah. But I mean, it's not so long ago that if you look at South Africa and apartheid was still a thing. Yeah. Since I think you can also come back, or well, it has come back, and I think my 
my point here that maybe right now in our society we're not allowed to say certain things because they're not politically correct but I tell you, on this podcast you can say whatever you believe <laughs> no but I think there is you know like there are big groups of people who think of themselves as superior not pretending I'm an expert on this I mean like I've seen like three videos on Reddit that's basically everything but it is you know like group thinking right if you it's like in group out group and and we are generally I think um, just more drawn to our own group and think of it in more positive lights than the out group and if, if 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 this is where you stop where it stops then and you don't reflect any further, then maybe it can lead you to genuinely believing that your group is better than another group. I mean, one thing that just occurred to me, and maybe I should read this passage a bit more carefully again. The interesting thing is actually, in a way, I mean, it is racism in the sense that it says, like, in the whole world, there were only few survivors. These were the pure and the chosen, those destined to begin a new race of people and a new life. Right? So that's like very explicitly, it's about a race of people and that kind of stuff. But uh, it doesn't seem like it's actually linked to anything in particular. You know, it doesn't say like yeah. you know um, this this disease washed out or killed like everyone in Africa and everyone in Asia and mm. kept only the supreme. Russians or whatever, you know, mm. it, it is actually, it does like when you actually, I think it does actually suggest that the supreme race could be actually made up of anyone. Yeah. Um, and right now I'm wondering whether that's, I can't remember exactly where the stream leads, but it leads pretty quickly to the end of the book. So I'm wondering whether that's the people who've received the word of God. Is, is that the chosen ones? Just anyone who believes in the Bible? I'm entirely sure. I don't know, but because I still don't see- I wouldn't think so because for me it's like the opposite, right? It's like his delusioned thinking that there are some superior chosen ones who can do anything they wish to achieve their goals. But then what the Bible says is exactly the opposite, which is, no, you're all the same. You're all little sheep. And if you murder somebody, you, that's, that's, that's a sin. And you can't just do whatever you want to do. So for me, it's... Yeah, unless you, like, go to hell, right? Unless you're, like, not a Christian. I, I'm not clear but on idea, all the details. But, I, but... But, but the idea of the chosen ones would be that they don't have to go to hell, right? If there's, like, the superior group of people, they can do whatever they want. They don't have to go I to guess, hell. I guess, yeah. Yeah, okay. But, but then the Bible says, no, 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 that's not <laughs> how it works. <laughs> you have to choose the Bible, then you're a person. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, okay, maybe that's, it just occurred to me that that happens, you know, that's one of the last things that happens before he has this dramatic reversal. Mm. Um, wait, actually, let me just, yeah, I mean, after that, it pretty much immediately goes into Sonia sees him a lot. And <laughs> so I just, I, re- I find it really hard not to read things literally. There's this thing where it says, once towards evening, when he'd almost completely recovered, Raskolnikov fell asleep, waking up, he happened to go to the window and suddenly caught sight of Sonia in the distance by the hospital gates. She was standing there as though she was waiting for something. I'm just imagining her now just standing there all day. <laughs> just like at the hospital gate, just staring into the distance for like days on end. Yeah, but then I think she oh. almost like, she believes in him. She knows. Maybe I know she it's believes not literal, in but him. I just find it funnier to imagine it's literal. Yeah, but it's because he probably doesn't even know himself where he's going and he really wanted to kill himself even, but she sees the word in his life and she knows that he's going to, at some point, she um, he's going to turn around and he's going to see it more clearly. So in some ways, she already knows what he doesn't know yet. No? Yeah. <laughs> uh... I don't know. It's really hard. I mean, like this is maybe this is maybe the larger discussion we can have. Well, I guess we already had a bit, but we can return to a bit. Is the idea of what kind of person Raskolnikov is, to put it very bluntly. So basically, for most of the book, he's a horrible person. I think that's pretty, yeah, uncontroversial. But he also is. He does seem like he's in some sort of frenzy for most of the time. Yeah. 
and you know like what i've i find it really out because like part of me just thinks okay here's a guy who thinks for whatever reason he's better than everyone else Mm. um and thinks he can do whatever he wants and his only goal in life is to you know knock it no no, not only goal in life but like you know that's just basically what he does and he acts accordingly and um it's just full of himself for no reason but then again as much as I don't like the way this is written, there are these parts where he's nice to people. You also have to wonder why Razumikin was so adamant to help Raskolnikov. Because, like, in the parts that we read, there's no reason why Razumikin would really help him, right? Like, he's just... Raskolnikov goes up to Razumikin not because they're good friends, but because maybe Razumikin can give him a job and some money. That's Mm. the only reason Raskolnikov goes there, right? Then he behaves really weirdly and leaves again after five minutes and then suddenly Razumikin just helps him for you know weeks or whatever Um, and then you know when he's just gets completely invested in and it does make me wonder whether maybe Raskolnikov actually used to be a decent person you know before Um, Mm -hmm. whatever change happened then there's a story with his fiance dying whether that was maybe a bit of a turning point for him and he found it difficult to deal with that and that maybe before that he was actually a decent person I don't know. Could be, especially because it would kind of like close the circle because assumingly he very loved, loved her very much, his fiance, and then she died and things went downhill. And the only way out of him, out of this frenzy, but at a moment he realized he he's able to step out of it is when he falls in love again, which would kind of nicely close the circle and maybe suggest that you can only only through loving can be a well there's three things right love god and hard prison labor those are the three <laughs> things that make you a better person yeah pretty much i should try prison labor sounds easier than the other two <laughs> yeah yeah but it is weird because I mean, actually, when I so I wrote, I, I read the epilogue and then kind of thought about the book, and I hadn't really paid too much attention to the last two three pages. It seems because I kind of forgot about most of that, mm-hmm. and then I kind of wrote down like what I thought the book was about, and then I wrote down uh, to me it's a book about a guy struggling to realize that maybe he's not all that special, and that's kind of before I really th- thought about this reversal and maybe thinking too much about whether he was maybe a good person before or not. Yeah, I think it's almost I assume. Dostoevsky did it on purpose that throughout the book he had very little cues hinting to Raskolnikov having been a better person. Like a couple of things that are being mentioned, but in general you get the impression he's just like a, a complete idiot, put it bluntly. But then in the end, when we like, maybe maybe we would have read the book very differently if we would have known that he used to be a quotation marks good person. And I almost yeah. think that it's on, on purpose that you only realize in the end that maybe, you know, he's not only purely bad, but has lost the path. Yeah, I think that's a possibility. And I mean, there's a few things, right? So the first thing is this is, well, this is a weird combination of very plot driven and then people just talking for hours on end. But the. The first part, I think, is very much fairly plot-driven in the sense that it's just about the the day pre- or the day or two days or whatever during which she commits the murder, and so you also don't want to like slow down the plot right by continually saying like, "Oh, all these, yeah. all these good things he did." So, in part, it's a kind of structural thing. I almost think to kind mm-hmm. of yeah, like you, you know, you don't want to have a book where like the first forty pages is just explaining the situation, what happened to everyone. You know, it's just boring. But I agree. I think it is also like intentional to, to i don't know maybe shine light on why people do terrible things and that to some extent oh here we go metaphorical again that to some uh, sense maybe raskolnikov himself forgot about how good of a person he is um, <laughs> <laughs> but in a literal kind of way right that he didn't actually he was so stuck in the situation he wasn't actually thinking about all the other things he was he had mm. been doing before and that maybe only oh god this is really coming full circle and that only in prison uh when he got the time to think about it that he actually realized oh yeah i kind of did do those good things or in the court process i guess that happened mm. um yeah i mean i guess like as i said like there are some positive things he does in the book um that when he 
you know, tries to help this Mabaladov guy mm. who he has no I mean sure he saw the the poverty they were in and the all that kind of stuff and I mean that's you know, he seemed to have some sort of sympathy for them, right? Well yeah, sometimes he almost surprisingly did very good deeds and and which couldn't really be explained in the context of his actions as for example the Mamladov and giving giving the widow giving all the money to the widow etc trying to help them it's like this came out of the blue however would we have known that he used to be a somewhat caring and good person wouldn't have been so surprising yeah then it would just been one of a few things I mean maybe he's just how should we say emotionally a bit extreme he tends to go from one extreme to the other and that in the book is presented basically as if it's he's only at one extreme all the time even though this was just a phase um he did still kill two people <laughs> let's not downplay yeah. this um i find it difficult to think about like what exactly we are to make of his argument uh this essay he wrote or this piece he wrote about some people should be allowed to do it whether that's you know for example does that it seems to have fallen i guess more into his more sane phase right because it seems like he actually wrote a coherent argument which he i don't think could have done in you know the time that the book was written and that kind of mental state so he seems to have been fairly stable yet the way we've just been discussing it seems almost like that whole thing of falling through with it is part of his insanity um yeah um i i think it's still a valid moral question whether under some circumstances some people should be allowed to do things that in a different context would be completely unethical we do kind of have that in some parts of society i mean i had one one interview in my podcast with I mean, we barely talked about it in that podcast, but it was someone who discussed morality in the context of war. And, you know, you can kill people if two countries are at war. You're not going to go to prison for that, right? Like if you, uh, you have different rules there. So, you know, we do have, I mean, this is not for certain people per se. It's more in a different context, people are allowed to do things. But we do have these kind of things where it's not that the same ideals always apply necessarily. Um, yeah, yeah, in context. I completely agree. And I think also another example would be revolutionaries who free a country from a dictator, for example. I think this is an example we discussed at the very beginning of this book discussion series. That in, in some circumstances, you might have a higher goal, and maybe a, let's use the example of the revolutionary who might, like in the process, maybe people get killed. But maybe the end goal is so beneficial to so many people and saves so many lives that it's almost it it seems that they should be allowed to do something like this. However, if you only look at each action out of context, for example, a, a murder, yeah, then then it's obviously something that you shouldn't be allowed to. So I think it's I guess what I'm trying to say is that it, it is a valid moral question, and I don't think there's a straightforward answer because simply ruling it out that nobody should ever in whatever situation ever be allowed to do something that's normally seen as unethical um and i think it's, it's too easy it's a bit more of a layered question yeah I mean, I think we what we can say, though, is that in Raskolnikov's case, it was not justified. I mean, there's this question True. of do the means justify the ends? And, you know, that's the weird thing in Raskolnikov's case. He didn't really have any ends, per se. You know, he never yeah. took the money. He never looked into what it was. So in his case, that's kind of what I was saying for most of this, not today, but like in previous episodes for most of the discussion. He didn't really do it to justify it. I think he kind of just wanted to kill the woman because he was angry at her or whatever. So, you know, even though the general discussion and the general philosophical point or moral point he's, he wrote about and that the book addresses in some parts might be 
can't remember how my sentence started. Even though that might be a valid point, I think it's also very obvious that Raskolnikov killed someone not for the kick of it. He obviously didn't enjoy doing it. But, uh, um, yeah, he he didn't really... It never seemed like there was really a properly clear goal in end goal mm. i mean you could of course maybe say that he did have this goal you know he did want to have the money so his sister didn't have to bring it to him yeah but and it's not that no no but just briefly and that um once he killed the person he kind of felt guilty about taking the money that kind of thing mm. uh, maybe you know maybe that's also something but i mean yeah, as we've discussed also like just because your sister's marrying someone doesn't mean you have to kill old ladies to make money and if you want to make money that's probably not the most lucrative way to do it either even i don't know anything about 19th century russia Pretty sure there are more richer people or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So maybe a more yeah, a good moral point, but not uh, in, in this instance. But then I think isn't that kind of like part of the question? Because if you if you would assume that it is under some circumstances for some people all right to do things that normally are not considered to be ethical, how do you know? Because you might be such as a Skolnikov really believe that you're justified to do something and you truly be believe it but how how do you know because you might just having be having a manic phase or you might be completely misjudging the situation or so i think this is just like the the question leading on to it. if you say yes okay some people under some circumstances can do such things who is the judge who says okay now you are allowed to do you're allowed to kill somebody. Other than God. Other than God, yeah. Um. Yeah, and I think that's why... Is, I mean, I, there's different things, right? So there's a, I think there's a difference here between action or outcomes that are reversible and those that are not. So if I steal some money from... So, you know, Raskolnikov has tried to steal money from the lady, let's say. Maybe it would have been difficult at this instance, but let's say you could have stolen money in general. That's the kind of thing where it can lead to suffering but you can also return the money you know you can kind of for example if he his conscience suddenly started kicking in he could have just um you know deposited the money in an envelope mm. at night or whatever but he hit the old lady three times with an axe on the head so that's something that you can't really reverse so i think like for i don't know I but what are you saying? Are you saying for actions that are reversible, you should feel entitled to? <laughs> because it's not really the. <laughs> no, answer what I mean is like the 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 certainty that you should have should be almost infinitely higher for irreversible actions than for reversible actions. If you think if what you need to do to get to something that you think is good for society, whatever, if that can be changed very easily, then the stakes aren't quite as high as if uh, it can't be changed back. Uh, okay. So that, what I mean is just like in those two situations, it kind of it slightly changes the level or the amount of certainty you probably need, or you should, you probably feel yourself. Um, you should need. Yeah, but then I think the problem with being on a manic phase is that you probably it seemed or to him it seemed like the only option because he didn't consider he didn't go through several options really he didn't have a plan B of any sort or think it through, it very much seemed like, okay, this is the only option. I mean, this is, I think, uh, you mentioned entitlement earlier. I think this is, I think he, he felt entitled to be allowed to do the action because it's not so much, I think, that maybe he thought he could do this uh, in this circumstance, but rather that the person he was should be allowed to do this kind of thing. I think there's a slight. Do you see the slight difference? I mean, like there's a yeah. there's a difference between thinking this is the only way I can do it, and I can, and therefore I have to do mm. it, and thinking I'm the kind of person who should be allowed to get away with. And it seems to me that maybe he was more the latter than the former, because yeah, as we said, like there's so many ways. Uh, I mean, to be fair, like if you're desperate, it can see that there's no way out. Sure, um, and he was definitely desperate, but there's so many ways that this could have been resolved without killing anyone. Yeah, but yeah, but I don't know. I don't know who has to, who has, who can decide over who's allowed to do what. I mean, I guess ultimately we have a law for that, right? That's we have uh, kind of 
two ways of doing that, right? The one is the legal system and the other is the kind of interpersonal moral system where even if something's legal, people might uh, ostracize you for doing something. Yeah. Um, and then at the final instance, of course, we've got God again. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, but I don't think it's like a, it's also not a question that can be easily answered because it is context specific, but person specific, and probably also you know there is no, let's say, there's some e evil dictator, you might feel entitled to kill that person, but that dictator could also be a caring father, and you also killed a caring father, so you know like whatever level you look at, there are probably different answers. So, whereas most people might agree that uh, it's justified to kill an evil dictator, no, maybe not most people, but a lot of people would agree, or would um, would think that's that's justified. A lot of people would disagree <laughs> that it's justified to kill a caring father. Um, I think, yeah. So, it, and I guess, like, what in this book, it's a slightly clearer case, right, where we. The old the the lady that was being killed, no one liked her, right? She at least in Oskolnikov's perception and in the vague gossip he heard while he was in a pub once. It's it's not like she is a loving mother, right? As far as we can tell. Yeah. However, and here comes the next metaphor with he can't kill only her, but he kills her good counterpart to sister, oh, no. which is basically <laughs> yeah. the, the good that you can can't only kill the evil side. Of a person, oh, but he always killed. <laughs> <laughs> the good is always not in no, not in the bad. That's maybe slightly different, but yeah. Uh, then again, the good here again symbolized by someone who's just a complete moron by all accounts. I mean, that's how she's described, right? Like a someone who's just incapable of anything. Who has like what I mean, like like Sonia, almost a person who's mm, just there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, passive. Yeah, that's exactly that's the word. Just very passive, and doesn't really. Yeah, passive is better than moron because, well, I think both of them, well, at least aren't displayed as intelligent, but uh, the main problem, I think, is just that they're just being pushed around all day. Anyway, I think so. I think we should probably say that this podcast uh, does not endorse killing old ladies for monetary gains. Yeah. Um, in, in case this Nor killing was, anybody, I think. But, but. Yeah, even if ladies are young <laughs> or not ladies, don't take an axe and club someone to death. Um, unless there's a really good reason for it. No, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't suggest that. <laughs> okay. But yeah, anyway. Shall we move on to discussing the book discussion? <laughs> so you mean like not about the book, but about the podcast and that kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so let's make a few more general points. So the first thing is I started off, I think, the entire discussion by talking about the shape of my book. Mm -hmm. uh, because to remind people, my book is pentagonal. It stands flatly, but yeah, it has kind of two top sides. Um, and then a kind of, yeah, whatever, you know what a pentagon, pentagon looks like. Uh, so I contacted someone related to publishing the book. And apparently I'm not the only person who has this. Apparently, one of the few people, though, who has a copy that looks cool. Apparently, most of them just, you know, I got a ruined copy. Um, so, unfortunately, I don't, I mean, I, I feel like I have, a, I probably have a unique, uh, it's not unique, though, if it's mass produced. But I always wondered, like, whether I have a unique cover or not. And it seems that there are actually quite a few, something just went wrong in the printing and lots of books like this. It's not good so, advertisement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was special, like Raskolnikov. Turns out I'm not. Uh, well, neither is this book. That's the first part. The second thing is I had a brief look and there are many other podcasts actually discussing crime and punishment. Um, yeah. And obviously none as good as ours, uh, which <laughs> I can say because I haven't listened to any of the others. But some people, I mean, I'm not surprised that they are like, you know, 20 minute discussions of the book. There are some that actually go through it chapter by chapter. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, there are some which is like 20, 30 minutes per chapter. I think Great. we, yeah, I mean, let's I be, let's like be honest. They overdid we've it. We've underperformed. No, no. I think, <laughs> I think we found the sweet spot. I All think right, some people, you. you know, only do 20 minutes. Some people do like, I don't know, 12 hours or whatever. I think we're going to be somewhere pretty much in the in middle, the middle. Okay. which is where we want to be. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, but if you, uh, I mean, if you're still listening, then, uh, get a life. 
<laughs> why are you listening to us for six hours <laughs> do something with your life um but you can all if you're interested in this there are many more podcasts apparently out this that discuss this book at length so it seems like uh yeah if once this is finished there's much more to explore yeah compile um, and compare yeah and the last thing i kind of have is so this is the first book discussion series we've done as a matter of fact the first i mean as part of this podcast but for me also in my life i've never sat down for an hour a week with someone and talked about a book for like eight weeks or whatever seven weeks i don't know what did you was this some was this worth your time antonio or um it definitely was it's um obviously a bit of work or like not work but like commitment time a bit of effort yeah. but um, I got a lot out of it, and I think I realized how when you're normally reading a book and you're just reading it for yourself, you miss a lot of things. Yeah. You don't think about all the points in great detail. You take a lot for given, or you think that you understand certain points, and then when you're discussing it, you really see that there are very different views and opinions. Um, so, yeah, I think I probably have a much better understanding and idea of the book now after having discussed it rather than i don't think there's a single book i know as well as this one (laughs) (laughs) i mean i've never spent this much time on a book i mean there are longer books i've read so maybe it's roughly equal but you know in terms of time spent per page yeah yeah i mean like i agree it's for me it's been like um I mean, if I guess, like, I guess we both expected it to be worth it. Otherwise, we wouldn't have started. Um, but I was slightly before we started. I thought, like, maybe it's, there's nothing to talk about. Or like, I don't know. Like, maybe this is just really boring, or we uh, repeat the plot and then just say, okay, that's that's <laughs> you know. Yeah, but I, I guess uh, this was also a book worth discussing. I think that not all books would be suited for that kind of discussion because. Um, they might not lend themselves. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's obviously okay. a reason why this and uh, I'm assuming we're going to do more books, future books are going to be mainly classics because you have a bit more of a guarantee that you're not going to spend six hours going, this is book is pointless and there's nothing to it. <laughs> um, I mean, I think we were, I, I don't think we could have chosen a better book, to be honest. You know, I'd, mm. I'd read, as I said, the first part in German uh, a year ago or so. But I didn't really think of too much about like which book to read, like a mm. kind of book this more picked this more or less at random. No, actually, the reason I picked this is because I heard that there's a new, fairly new translation, and that's supposed to be really good. Yeah. That's why I chose this one, and I think we agree that it is a good translation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think we couldn't have chosen a, like you know every there were six parts, each of them was equally long and around a hundred mm. pages, so you could do it in a week. I didn't know yeah. that before we started. Um, yeah, no, it is good. That was coincidence. It's a fairly plot-driven book, which helps. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's very esoteric, metaphorical, a lot harder to talk about it than if you're talking about someone yeah, murdering someone and getting caught by the police. Like, it's a pretty... Mm. Yeah, I think we accidentally stumbled on a really good book to, to start this kind of discussion with. I mean, of course, format is going to depend on the book and that kind of stuff. But let's say we were going to read another book that's like this, roughly... Is there anything we should, I don't know, anything you, th- you think in hindsight that in terms of format of discussion or something? Um, might have, might probably, no, we should try to keep the summaries at the beginning brief and to the point. But I think we got, oh, you got better and actually never, I only did the very first one. I was about one, to say, very bad. Uh, <laughs> criticism received. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't want mine, I, I think I did one at the very beginning and it was bad and then we decided that you I can't even remember who did the first one. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, actually, we just said we were going to take turns. Yeah. And, and then, then somehow we, we never did. <laughs> maybe that's an improvement that you need to make sure that the person you're talking to is actually putting their weight <laughs> yeah yeah i think like i think it's also i think i have a tendency to skip over the basics i mean i do this also in my regular interviews something i've noticed recently is that you know i always wanted to kind of start assuming that everyone understood the understood the basics so you don't have to repeat mm-hmm. that again right so you can have like a higher level more intelligent yeah. discussion but i realize that when doing that it's often pretty useful just to repeat the basics in this case for example the plot 
to just say like this happened, this happened, this happened. Yeah, yeah. I found it surprisingly really useful. Well, not even assume just for us, right? Like I, yeah, you yeah. Know, often I read it like on Monday person. or Tuesday, and then like it's a week later, mm -hmm. and I can't remember exactly what happened in each chapter. Yeah, but and then you immediately, like, as soon as you've listened to the summary, you've got something to go. Exactly, on. exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, um, no, I think you're going to do amazingly. <laughs> before this was the practice round and now now on to the good stuff <laughs> yeah i mean the, the practice round is going to be public though antonio i don't know what i told you this is going to be published <laughs> yeah um uh, and maybe one day it seems like you might join for another book discussion oh well, most we'll see <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay well then uh you know i think we still i don't think anyone's going to listen to now if someone is still listening it's patently absurd it's been like seven <laughs> hours or something uh but thank you for listening <laughs> the entire thank time. You. <laughs> and uh, good luck um organizing your life better from now on i guess <laughs> <laughs>